Hour two of the Tuesday crew on WRSU FM New Brunswick, Jake Schmid, Troy D. Savino, and Dylan Allen. And guys, just, you know, that was a good topic, Troy. That was a good topic to talk some Broadway. You know, you always you always got to show some love to Broadway, and it's great that they're uh, they're bringing back um, everybody. It's great that they're slowly coming back, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, you know what else is coming back? Rutgers in the top 25 rankings. That's what's, that's what's making a comeback. Um, I didn't think we were going to see it this year, to be honest. I wasn't paying attention this week. I thought, uh, you know, didn't matter. Rutgers won four games. I cannot believe we got back in already. Yeah, it's um, early. It doesn't seem like long ago we were like falling, completely falling apart. But now Rutgers has won four straight and they find themselves sitting at 25th in the country on the AP poll. Um, so that's massive. I mean, first of all, that means it's looking really good for Rutgers to make the NCAA tournament. Looks like that's a lock, um, assuming it's not a complete meltdown down the stretch. But also that Rutgers is getting the respect they deserve again in the Big Ten because they're playing like we're used to seeing them play. Um, and that that sample size of a few games that they fell and they slipped and isn't going to leave a lasting impression on teams around the country. For that reason, they're ranked 25th. Tomorrow night, they play Iowa at Iowa. Um Iowa is currently ranked 15th in the country, but they have slipped a little bit. They lost to Ohio State two games ago, 89-85 at home. They lost Indiana on the road, 65-67. We've seen that Indiana is not that great of a team. They are not ranked, um, and Iowa dropped a, a tough loss to them just by a bucket, but nonetheless, it's a, it's, a, it's a dropped game. Now Rutgers has a chance to go on the road and beat a 15th ranked Iowa team. We know that they're capable of doing it. Obviously, Iowa has a guy like Luca Garza on that team that is arguably one of the best college players in the in the, in the country. So he's going to be something to have to deal with. But Rutgers has shown that they have they are capable. Miles Johnson is a capable big man that can guard someone like Luca Garza on the in the paint. Um, so, guys, what's your initial thoughts that we're, of what we're going to see tomorrow night? I think it's tomorrow night is going to be just, you know, another opportunity for Rutgers to get a quad one win. It's it's another opportunity to extend this win streak um, to five, which would be incredible for Rutgers. And, you know, they're riding on that. They are ranked the 20, top 25. You know, I didn't think they were going to be ranked. Um, but, you know, the writers across the country, you know, they saw that Rutgers went on this tear. They went on this win streak. Uh, listen, it's going to be a really big matchup of Miles Johnson again against Luca Garza. That's going to be another big matchup to watch for. Obviously, Miles Johnson, um, he's been playing very well um, so far. He's averaging about less than two and a half blocks per game. He's second in the Big Ten with there. He's fourth in the Big Ten with rebounds, about almost nine a game. He's been playing very well. He's very efficient these past couple games. He got a double-double in their last game. Um in their big win, in their win over Minnesota, that was their really gritty, tough win, the 76-72 dub last Thursday. And they also have the benefit of being, you know, having a six-day break between games. So that's going to help them, you know, to rest up and iron out some kinks, iron out uh, some of those, you know, free throw struggles a little bit and some of those man-to-man defense. But I think this is really another great opportunity for Rutgers to come on the road um, and get a win over a really good Iowa team. An Iowa team they should have beat um, early on in the season at the rack. That was really right before the start of their uh, their losing streak that really started off that six-game losing streak when they lost by two to Iowa, and it really came down to free throws then. But, you know, the, they're, if they play like that and we see their free throws improving, I think that they're in this one the whole way. 
Um, Iowa did drop uh, from the rankings from out of the top 10. Now they're 15, which is something interesting to note because Iowa's always going to be a top 10 team. They always really were this whole season, and they're kind of faltering a little bit. You mentioned the recent loss, and Indiana's not a great program either, and Rutgers defeated them uh, to start that win streak two weeks ago. So it's a great opportunity tomorrow for Rutgers to just keep winning and defeat a really good ranked Iowa team and earn a ranked victory on the season. Yeah, you yeah. Know, um, go ahead, go ahead Dylan. Sorry. No. Okay. Uh, well, I was just gonna, you know, point out Rutgers really should have won that first meeting between the two. Uh, you know, they shot four for twelve from the line, and they lost that game by two points, seventy-seven, seventy-five. Uh, the difference of that game, I, I thought the game was played pretty well actually on Rutgers on on Rutgers end. Um. You know, they got out-rebounded by one rebound, 40-39 to 39 in that game. Uh, they had six more assists than, than Iowa, uh, beating them 19-13 to 13 in that department. They also had three more steals, 11-8. Uh, to eight. Uh, And the list just goes on and on. They were pretty much even in blocks. Iowa led that one 9-8. to eight. Um, And Iowa had five more turnovers, 15-10. to 10. So the difference, in, uh, the difference last time these two teams met was the fouls. Um, and foul shooting as well. Rutgers committed 21 fouls and Iowa only 13. They Rutgers allowed Iowa to shoot 23 free throws uh, and Iowa made 18 of them. Uh, Rutgers, like I pointed out, was 4 for 12. So Rutgers only score, Rutgers scoring 75 and only having 4 free throws going towards that total. Um, it, it tells you the difference of that game was just free throws because like I said, Iowa 18 points from the, from the charity stripe and they had 77. So uh, if you're Rutgers, what I what I'm seeking tomorrow night is try and limit the amount of fouls, and especially on Luca Garza. I know it's tough to guard him down low. He's one of the best players in the country. He's probably the best player in the country, in my opinion. He's averaging over 25 points per game and just above eight boards per game. Uh, last time he played Rutgers, he shot nine for 11 from the floor, one for two from three, and shot six for seven from the line. Had 25 points and four rebounds. I think Miles Johnson did a great job uh, on the glass out-rebounding Garza. Uh, he had 10, Miles Johnson, and like I said, Garza only had four. So I think in that department, I think we did pretty well. Um, but, you know, I think the way Rutgers... The Rutgers has an advantage here. They are on a four-game win streak, and like you guys pointed out, I was, you know, kind of dropped the ball a little bit and lost some lost a couple games these past couple weeks here. Uh, I think Rutgers has the advantage coming in on a kind of a hot streak. Um, it is on the road. It will be a difficult game for Rutgers. Uh, I, I think as long as they can limit the amount of fouls uh, against Iowa and putting them at the line, um, I think Rutgers has a real shot in this game, especially if they continue to play team basketball like they have the past couple games. One thing that really stands out against Iowa, just coming across now, they're averaging about nine and a half turnovers per game through 19 games played. They're actually on pace to break a school record for turnovers per game, which is about 10.3 from the 2016 uh, season. So Rutgers, you know, we've seen them force turnovers. They can definitely force more than nine turnovers um, against Iowa. We saw them force a lot like you know that even that Michigan State win they forced you know 20 something turnovers um they, they capitalized off points off turnovers they had uh, 19 points off turnovers against Minnesota they forced 12 turnovers there so Rutgers has a big advantage in that department and that's all Caleb McConnell wreaking havoc on defense Paul Mulcahy and Geo Baker that new look starting lineup that coach Peichel's been playing and that's going to really 
come out to show. It's also interesting to note that Iowa's starting guard, C.J. Frederick, who has been burning Rutgers the past couple of games, uh, he's missed uh, He's missed the last five games due to a lower leg injury, and it's uh, he's questionable, I, I believe, for tomorrow. So that's going to be an interesting uh, thing to look at as well. They started Connor McCaffrey instead, uh, instead of C.J. Frederick because those injuries, and McCaffrey isn't a great forward at all. They're going with a bigger lineup. They only have really have one true guard in Jordan Bohannon. Um, so it's really, it's going to be, they're going to play with a lot of uh, bigger guys. So it's going to be interesting to see what the defensive assignments are, but Rutgers definitely has the upper hand in forcing turnovers and really just playing better defense right now as a unit. And I want to point out almost two years to the date. Um, one of the last times Iowa had made the trip out to the rack. I know this one's going to be at Iowa. It's just the timeliness of this. Um, it was actually a year and 51 weeks because uh, this the infamous moment that all Rutgers fans will remember forever. Oh, boy. Um, was the wise camp buzzer beater that yep. happened at the rack. And that was on February 16th, uh, 2019. So, yeah, that was a corner three that nobody knew how he yes. got off. He was facing like the side of the bad, the backboard, really. There's no way he could have hit, not hit the backboard. It, it's and wise camp will be playing in this game again. And yeah, we're, we've gotten used to seeing him. He's probably the number two guy in that team, but Rutgers and Iowa over the past few years have played very close games. Every True. single time they meet, it seems like it's like an incredibly close game. And last last time they played, as you mentioned, they lost because of a couple missed free throws. Um, so now Rutgers is 25th. Iowa's 15th. I wouldn't expect anything different. Yeah. And if Rutgers can hang tight, you look at the comparisons of these two teams. Um, Iowa is ranked number one in the country in offensive efficiency. Uh, so that's good, but the bad thing for them is they have the 122nd ranked defense for efficiency. So that's where they struggle. On the other hand, Rutgers is decent on the offensive side. They're middle of the pack, a little bit above average at 50th, but their defense ranks 17th. So it's going to be the battle of who's can do better. Can it, can Rutgers defense hold and control Iowa's offense? That'll be the big test. If so, it's going to be a close game. We've seen them do it before. We've seen what Luca Garza is capable of doing. It's not going to be a surprise what Rutgers needs to do to contain him. But we've seen Rutgers contain him to some to some point in the recent matchups. And Ken Palm actually has Rutgers coming into this game um, losing. They think that they are a six-point underdog in this game. They give him a 27% chance of actually coming away with a victory. Some of that has to do with the fact that Rutgers is traveling to Iowa to take them on. Um but Ken Palm rankings, Rutgers is 24th in the country, and Iowa is 5th in the country. So that just tells you about the kind of program Iowa is. The fact it's not going to be an easy win in that, by any means, but this is a key opportunity to get a high-quality win. A win with this is going to move you higher in the rankings. It's going to solidify your spot in the NCAA tournament. It's going to show you're capable of really beating anyone in the Big Ten tournament. Um, so this is a big one. This is a really big one for Rutgers to have a chance to extend their win streak even more. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, even yeah, it's gonna be a, a big opportunity for them, especially because they're the next biggest opponent they'll have is gonna be in two games uh next Thursday when they travel to number three Michigan, um, supposedly after their COVID nineteen, you know, their two week break in their sports. But it's gonna be this is a really big game for Rutgers. It's a really good opportunity for them to play a very good Iowa team. Um they've been really close out of the gate. Um, Iowa was 10th when they last played, and I, Rutgers was 14. If they had beaten them, they would have probably vaulted into the top 10 if they had uh, won. Remember, they were tied after the first half by 35 
when Iowa when Ruck Iowa traveled to Piscataway. Um, we saw you really like vintage Geo Baker there as well. He had 13 points. Um, that was like one of the, his first games in double figures back from injury. Um, so that's really a lot of things. And all the five starters for Rutgers were all in double figures as well, which um, which is really interesting to know. Miles Johnson had a double double in that game, but Rutgers also um, they they forced a lot of turnovers against Iowa. They forced they forced 15 turnovers um, against Iowa. That's a really a big area where Rutgers. Um, has uh, has had an advantage this whole season. Although Rutgers only had 13 points off their turnovers in recent games, they've been taking more points off turnovers. They've been finishing transition plays, and that's just a testament to how well Geo Baker has been come back and coming back to form. Uh, Paul Mulcahy as well. So I think that's going to be a similar trend uh, tomorrow night. Uh, Rutgers forcing turnovers against Iowa, and of course they held Luca Garza to. 25 points, but this is a guy that can hit 30 on a night. I mean, he did play very well. He only missed two shots, um, Luca Garza. But the big thing is also going to be, you know, containing Jordan Bohannon. Three of five from beyond the arc in that game. He had 13 points. Uh, Bohannon and Murray can wreak havoc as well. So Rutgers has to tight. They can tighten up on Bohannon and Murray, and Garza's always going to find a way to burn Johnson. But if, if they can limit Bohannon and Murray, they're definitely in this game. I think the guy for me, um, and it's so nice to see him back, like to see him actually back. Geo Baker, what we're watching him, what he did in the Minnesota game. And the moment I was like, all right, Geo Baker has made his full return. This is, we know he's ready to to take over this team and to lead this team into a postseason run. It was when Geo Baker was just like hitting late game shots. Like it was nothing. Like it was just a guarantee. Right. Geo Baker having the ball in hand, doing everything on his own, making space for himself jumping up, putting a shot right above a guy's head and sinking it like it's nothing. Nothing but net. Absolute clutch. Ice in his veins. Geo Baker just does that in his sleep. Um, And that's what he's so valuable about this team. That's what makes him so valuable to this team. The fact that he is the go-to guy late in the game. And don't get me wrong, he's great the rest of the game too, but there's something about that final few minutes. It's it, The ball is in his hand. You He puts a shot up. It doesn't matter where it's on the court. It just seems like it's going to go in for him. He just has that clutch gene in him and it's so nice to see what he was doing against minnesota because he had two or three shots in the final few minutes that just showed that that kind of geo baker was back he was back from injury he was ready to take over he was ready to lead this team um i think we're going to see something similar to that with iowa as i as i mentioned these teams play extremely close they play extremely tight basketball all the way to the end all the way to the buzzer um and i think it's valuable that he's back now last time they played he wasn't really there so Geo Baker being back fully for this team and being capable of doing what we know he's capable of doing, that's a game changer. Who is the guy from Minnesota that you think is going to carry over and has a it's going to be Minnesota. important for Rutgers? From yeah, from when Rutgers played Minnesota last. I oh, mean, you mean like what, the who you know when they play Minnesota again, like that kind of thing? No, like from last from the last game we saw Rutgers play and those types of performances. Miles Johnson had 14 points. He was arguably one of the most valuable guys on that team because he was just getting rebound after rebound like it was nothing. From the type of performance we saw against Minnesota, which guy has to carry over the most for Rutgers to have a chance at beating Iowa on the road? Caleb McConnell. I think it's Caleb McConnell 100%. Caleb McConnell had the biggest game of his season, of this, of his really his young season, because he came back from his back injury. We didn't think we were going to see him at all. Um, he did have surgery, but 14 points, 5 of 11 from the floor. But the defense is really where he wreaked havoc. Six rebounds, three steals. Um, 
He was also forcing a lot of turnovers, and he's been stepping up defensively, and he's now, you know, he's earned himself in the starting lineup, and I think that Caleb McConnell, he's a glue guy. He's really the glue that sticks together this defense, even the glue with the offense, just the way that he always finds the open teammate. He's unselfish, an unselfish player, an unselfish winger. Um, I think that's going to be a big key for Rutgers uh, is Caleb McConnell defensively wreaking havoc on his, you know, stealing, pickpocketing players' ball. And also he had three assists. He was second on the team in that game with three assists as well. So he's really been finding his ways to help out his teammates. And he's always looking for the best teammate with the open shot. We saw how he hit that big three um, in the final minute or so, right before Geo Baker hit that big shot. Um, so he's been really clutch. And he also only missed one free throw too. So that's a guy you want to get fouled as well. Caleb McConnell might be like, I, this isn't, I don't know if this is the right wording for it, but like the most underrated guy on this team. Just oh, because yeah. I feel like yeah, people just forgot about how important he is to this team. Like he was a starter for a lot of games last year. Even freshman year too. He, he would have yes. dropped like 20 points. This guy is absolutely vital to this team's success. And we were wondering what it was going to look like without Caleb McConnell this year. And now he makes a return. And it's it's just such an extra added piece that I don't think it's taken into enough consideration. I mean, when Rutgers was on such a hot start this year, Caleb McConnell wasn't really back. Yeah, he wasn't. Now you add him back, you see what it just adds even more depth to this team, even more capabilities, what that starting rotation can look like. It also adds a little height to your rotation. Um, it's it's massive for this team. It's absolutely massive. You're right. I mean, the guy plays phenomenal defense. He's able to get boards. He's able to hit clutch shots, clutch jumps, jump shots. I mean, the guy's able to do it all. And the fact that he's just reappearing midseason, where most fans didn't think we were going to see him until next year, and then most teams don't understand how good Kellen McConnell is, that's massive for this team. Absolutely huge. That's another point, too. A lot of teams don't know how well he's played at all because, you know, they haven't seen him since, like, really five weeks ago when he came back, when he made his return. So a lot of teams don't. They're all relying on old footage of him now, of course, that he's been playing very well. But he, he's just an unselfish player. He can really – he gives you good minutes. He played 30 minutes. He was barely off the court. Um, and just giving him more minutes than Jacob Young. We know that Jacob Young, you know, he can get a little too fast when he gets in transition. Um, he's a really good with uh, steals. Um, but he had six turnovers in that game, Jacob Young. He had a game-high six turnovers. Um, and it's going to be – it's great that McConnell's back and just the way that he plays defensively. I want a guy with Kale, like Kale McConnell in the final couple minutes over Jacob Young any day of the week too. How uh, – I mean, For me, guys, for me, guys, it's got to be – if it's not McConnell, it has to be Miles Johnson. I mean – He's been playing great all year, but coming off that Minnesota win, 14 points, 12 rebounds. He also had three blocks and two steals uh, and no fouls and no turnovers. Uh, seven of eight shooting from the floor. Uh, I think that's just that's what you need from, from your guy, Miles Johnson, especially when you have to go up against Luca Garza. I mean, he's one of the best defenders in the Big Ten. Um, that's what Steve Peichel has said many times. He thinks he's one of the best in the league. Um you know, I think that's what we need. He needs to be able to guard Luca like he did last time. Um, you know, I don't expect him to have zero fouls this time around because Luca Garza is just a beast down low, and I understand he's very difficult to guard. He only had three fouls last time, so um, that's encouraging to see that he didn't get to the four or four or the five mark. So, um, you know, I think we always view Miles Johnson as this defensive guy as well. I don't know if it's just me, but I, I've always like gotten this sense that people view him as just a defensive shot blocker and a guy who can, you know, get the occasional dunk or putback. But he's really 
Um, his game has really evolved from that. I feel like he is just a facilitator down there now, down in the paint, and I feel like he he just creates an even more offensive presence that teams have to prepare for. Uh, and he really did show it against Minnesota, um, you know, this past week. I think that if it's not McConnell and his defensive ability and what he brings to the table shooting, uh, I think it has to be Miles Johnson and the way that he controls the paint area, um, especially when you have to go up against a, a guy like Luca Garza. How, how annoying do you think it is to have to prepare to play Rutgers? Because the amount of different starting rotations we see is just crazy. I mean, the fact that Jacob Young and Montez Mathis are coming off the bench and, you know, when that means that Geo Baker, Paul Mulcahy, Caleb McConnell, those guys are all getting starts, obviously. It's just you never know who you're going to see check in to start the game. And it seems like the only consistent guy recently has been like Miles Johnson and Ron Harper Jr. Um, now that Geo Baker's fully back, I'd expect him to be the guy that is constantly starting as well. But after that, it's like Paul, Caleb, Jacob Young, Montez Mathis, those guys are all capable of starting. Um, it's just got to be so tough for these teams to prepare against. And, you know, I think that's going to have a big impact on what we see against Iowa. I'm interested to see the kind of lineup that we see. Who do you think we're going to see in that starting five? Do you think they're going to try to go quick and smaller with maybe Jacob Young, Montez Mathis? Or do you think we're going to see a little more height with Caleb McConnell? What do you guys think? I think it's going to be the same as it's always been with uh, McConnell and Harper winning the uh, swingman spot and then Geo Miles and Ron in there as well. I think that they're going to have to go height because this is a tall Iowa team, especially with Luca Garza. You got to have, you know, McConnell got to have some height advantage because McConnell, you know, he didn't play against Iowa. He's also, you know, he's big. He's lengthy. He's got long arms, good wingspan. He can snatch some rebounds on if, you know, Miles Johnson's contending with Luca Garza down the paint. I think that, that would, this lineup would be beneficial. I think giving a little bit more minutes to a defender like Montez Mathis too, because Montez Mathis ultimately going to be the guy uh, that's going to be going up against uh, Jordan Bohannon uh, defensively, um, or you might even put him on Keegan Murray. Rather, would be better for Montez Mathis. Geo Baker probably have Jordan Bohannon's assignment. So I think Montez Mathis, you know, he played 14 minutes against Minnesota, but he's definitely going to have a lot more time. And Jacob Young, too, just because they're both aggressive defenders, and that's where the game is won is on defense. And Iowa's, we know how great they are offensively and how they don't really, li- they, they're really, you know, they limit their turnovers. Um, so I think they could probably, you know, spread out their minutes, especially with Mathis and Young. I don't think Cliff Amarui will get a lot of minutes either. No, I, I think you're right. I don't think we'll see too much of Cliff. I mean, I think he'll check in occasionally. Um, yeah, just got, to what, limit th- miles. Like, yeah, would he get like 13 minutes last week? Yeah. Um, you know, he, but so, he is a good free throw shooter, though. He was three of four. That's where all his points came from. So that's like something else to keep in mind. Yeah, I think uh, I think we might see a few minutes from him. It's going to be valuable to have some rotation there for the big man position. I think he'll have a hard time guarding Luca Garza, to be honest. Um, you know, you can tell when he's out there. You can see the, the raw talent he has. He's still growing into exactly his position and his role. Um, and I think we're going to see him develop incredibly well in the coming years. Um, but this is going to be a really tough matchup if he, so I don't expect to see him have a lot of minutes, but you know, I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I mean, to my final point on this, this matchup, we have to ask the big question. It's the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. It's the Iowa Hawkeyes. I want to point out a Hawkeye isn't even a real bird. (laughs) So this is kind of stupid that we're even having this conversation. You know, my opinion on when it comes to humans, when they have weapons and they have the human brain, you know, I think the human wins most fights against animals, especially when it's against a fake bird. But guys, give me your pick. Scarlet Knights, Iowa Hawkeyes, who are you taking in a a battle of the mascot? 
take a Scarlet Knight. The knight can just, he's got his sword. He can just pierce yeah. right through the Hawkeye or fictional animal. Yeah. He's got armor too. So like, what's the, what's the Hawkeye going to do? He's just going to what? Like again, spit on him? Like he can't let like, me, claw him out? Like he can't do anything. He's got a helmet too. Let me point out again. It's a, it's a fake bird. It's a fake bird. Even if it was a real so, bird, I still think Rutgers would win that one. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, listen, the, the state bird for Iowa is in fact the American goldfinch, which is that's a good bird. Yeah, that's a good, that's a high, that's, that's a, a pretty good bird. You know, an, an S tier bird when you when you're talking about no, the top it is. Birds. Yeah, absolutely. That's it's one of the favorites. So the fact that they just made up a bird for their mascot, I don't really understand that. You had a good option there, the Iowa finches, maybe I don't know the Iowa goldfinch. I know it's not so super intimidating, but you know what's not intimidating when you find out that a team makes up an entire animal just to have them as their mascot. That's yeah, less intimidating. Ridiculous. And for that reason, on top of the fact that I think Rutgers is going to come out strong, you got to take the Scarlet Knights. The Knights going to beat the Bird any day of the week. Therefore, that that takes into a huge account in my pick for for Scarlet Knights, Iowa Hawkeyes for actual basketball. You know, I'd be shocked to see a, a fake Bird be a Knight, and I, I'd lock it in if if it was me. But that's that's just me. That's just me. If, if you take into account the mascot battle, I think it's a clear victory for the Scarlet Knights. But you know, sometimes it's a little more. When you got Luca Garza on one side and supporting a fake bird, it's going to make it a little more difficult to deal with. But we'll have to see tomorrow night. We get the big answer, and we'll we'll uh, we'll keep a close eye on that. We'll be calling that here. Back here, just about less than half an hour. Of the Tuesday crew here on WRSU, Jake Schmid, Dylan Allen, Freddie Savino, Chris Sokonis. And Troy, you want you're feeling some Brady talk. You wanted to talk a little about Brady and, and what this means for him because he is gonna stay another year in Tampa. He signed a two-year deal last year. Um, but you know, it's obviously, you know, he has more rings than any other NFL franchise in history with seven, um, which is crazy for him. Um, but you know, Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl. Of course, you want an MVP. I mean, you know, I guess Gronkowski would have been next up on my list. Yeah, you know, I listen. I'm not a huge Brady fan, but I, I respect what he does. I respect how good he is at what he does. So, no hate towards him there. You know, I was the the only my only beef with Tom Brady is whenever I root for him, he always lets me down. Um, and that's that's why I had a little animosity towards him like i root for him against the eagles he loses that game i was rooting for him against the giants he loses both those games so whenever i root for him against one of my division rivals he always loses so he lets me down anytime i try to support him so that's my only beef with tom brady i have no personal beef because he never beat my team because my team stinks so it's never good enough to face him so seriously no beef towards him and i respect how well he plays the game i respect the fact that he is the greatest winner of all time he's got seven super bowl trophies now and my point is they need to change the name of the Vince Lombardi trophy to the Tom Brady trophy. The guy has seven Super Bowl trophies. Yeah. He's been to 10 of them. At what point? Like this is, it's just crazy. It's nuts. Seven. He's got more Super Bowl wins than any other franchise in the league. I know Vince Lombardi. Great. You know, legend. But he didn't have seven Super Bowls. No, and I think they got. I think they need to change the name of the trophy to the Tom Brady Trophy for next year, so Tom Brady could go back to the Super Bowl and win a Tom Brady Trophy. 
<laughs> I like that. That's is that ludicrous? Yeah, yeah, you got to do it. Tom Brady wins the Tom Brady trophy. I mean, goes out strong. I also saw I also saw a TikTok guys uh, earlier today. I, I can't name every single team because there were eighteen of them, but somebody pointed out that Tom Brady has more Super Bowls than eighteen franchises combined in the league. Oh my gosh! Jets are definitely yeah. in that mix because they only have yeah, one. Yeah, the Jets I think are in there. The Dolphins, the Lions, Texans, all those teams that don't have any. I know the Jets have one, but like, is it all the teams that have one and zero? It must yeah. be that, right? And it's eighteen. Combined. Oh my gosh. He has more than half the league. Like it's like ridiculous. Oh my gosh, that is crazy. So that is crazy. I thought that was pretty interesting. He's got what, more than what the are Patriots, you guys... yeah. He's got more than the Patriots, more than the Steelers, more than any team. Um what do you think Belichick was thinking during the Super Bowl? Was he watching first of all? That's my question to you. Was he watching the Super Bowl? I think I mean, he, he was, was. preparing for free agency like he always I, th- I think, yeah, he was watching while he's got his clipboard out and survey- and analyzing players. Yeah. He might was have been on the treadmill getting that extra work in. I would be surprised he if might... he wasn't rooting for Brady. I think you, he you was. would be surprised. I mean, I mean, I would I, be I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, I would I probably would want to see him root for Brady. I, I think he was too. I, Bill Belichick doesn't seem to me to be the guy that would be like afraid of people thinking that yeah. he's not great. Like yeah. I don't. I think he worked with Brady for twenty years. I think there's some he type of respect him, there. Yeah. Exactly. I think there's respect there. And you know, Tom Brady winning a seventh Super Bowl, I, I think that should still reflect well on what Belichick did and what he helped with. You know, I don't think, I don't think either of them is where they are without the other. True. Um, right. To what extent? I don't know. You know, I, is Bill Belichick the greatest coach of all time? Is Tom Brady by far the best quarterback of all time? All I know is they're both the, the, some of the best winners of all time. You know, I don't know which one deserves the most, most credit. You know, I think Brady winning a Super Bowl without Belichick says a lot. But keep in mind, he also won it with a great offense. He won it with a really good defense. And he didn't win it with the slack of the coach either. Bruce Arians just got his first Super Bowl and he's a great coach, too. Um so I, I still don't know, like, I don't think there's an argument to be made that, like, Belichick didn't do anything. It was all Brady now that Brady won by himself. Because it's not like he stepped in and won a Super Bowl for the New York Jets. or the Exactly. You know. Yeah, that's that's right. the most valid argument. Because, you know, the Buccaneers, you know, they were 7-9 and nine last year. Uh, but they really also, you know, they brought in Todd Bowles as a, uh, as a coach defensively. And he really helped the Buccaneers. I think that he doesn't get a lot of credit just because... There was a really good defensive battle. They held Mahomes to no touchdowns. Um, they really did a good job there. Um, you got to give Bowles credit. And then Byron Leftwich, too. I, I remember they were saying that, you know, Bruce Arians, when he brought in uh, Leftwich um, for his second, you know, his second season, he was like, you know, he's got he's to keep this guy. I remember they said that on the broadcast. I think Jim Nance said that. Um, and that's really, you know, that was a big thing for me. I think that, you know, the – the, they had a really had a great defensive court team. They were on the rise this defense, but like Jason Pierre-Paul had a good year. Um, this defense really stepped up, um, and they're one of the best defenses in the league. I mean, they have Ndamukong Sue, um, Devin White, Levante David was great. Shaquille Barrett played incredible. Um, Jordan Whitehead and Antoine Woodfield Jr. They had a really good secondary, so it was like an all-around effort. But Brady being there was like. You know, they needed that for their offense because Jameis Winston was not getting it done. Jameis Winston was trash and he wasn't doing anything. And just Brady, the Brady Gronk effect, too. That's like, I think, did you see it? That like Brady and Gronk with that first super uh, touchdown 
They have like the most touchdowns in a Super Bowl for a pairing. They passed Rice and Montana, which is crazy. It's. I will say this. I am a little mad about what happened with Gronk. The guy gets two touchdowns. I draft him in fantasy. He does nothing for me all season. Yeah, exactly. All he he is, was absent. All, all he does is block. You know, I, yeah. I picked him late in the draft. Don't get me wrong, but I thought I was going to get some value. I thought I was going to see something like that. I thought I, I was going to see that. I think we all did, honestly. I drafted like, him late, I, too. I was like, this is this should be a win-win. Like, you know, the guy at least is going to play average. He'll get so I can't see him going into irrelevance. Little did I know he was going to be a block first tight end. Um, but then in the Super Bowl, just just to show me up, just because both the time he got a touchdown, I was betting for them to kick a field goal. Well, he always does that in the Super wrong. Bowl. Always. He always, always goes off. He always does better in the Super Bowl than regular season, postseason combined. It's just uh, it's just so frustrating. I mean, listen, I like Gronk. I think he's a funny guy. I no, I don't think you can hate Gronk. No, There's no possible way. But I was goofy, feeling, a, yeah, I was feeling a little angry when he catches two touchdowns and he does nothing for me all fantasies a year. And but I think what's big about this is it comes out how good of a blocker he is, and that was a, a huge piece for that offensive line as well. Um, you know, they invested a lot into that offensive line. They drafted all, offensive linemen in the draft this year to protect Brady, and then Gronk coming back is a familiar face for him, and how good of a blocker he is really coming out this year. Um, but you know, two touchdowns in the Super Bowl on the biggest stage showed up, showed that he's still capable of playing. I guess he's staying another year with Brady. We got one more year. If I mean, can Brady somehow win another Super Bowl? It's anything impossible now to get eight. Not with that team. It's not. It's... Uh, I think that team is. I already saw something that came out. Bruce Arians said Mike Evans was the most unselfish superstar in the league. He's ever that he's ever uh, either played with or seen. Right. Um. Mike Evans reportedly told his camp that he was willing to take, uh, you know, a pay cut to keep the team together to make another run at it. And uh, I think if that if that's able to go through and they're able to keep guys like Levante David on that defense, I think they have a real good shot at winning another Super Bowl. As we saw, Tom Brady didn't even have to play that great to win that. The defense just played outstanding football. Somehow kept Kansas City and Mahomes out of the end zone. Uh, you know, so you didn't you didn't even need Tom Brady to pretty much play as well as he did. Uh, the defense just put on a show on their own. So if they're able to keep that team, I mean, why not? I mean, it's very possible. Um, I And I would, and I'm rooting for it, honestly. That'd be, that would be cool to see again, honestly. I mean, listen, the guy, his, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Every single year he's been in the league, he's had over a thousand yards, Mike Evans. That's incredible. Yeah. Since 2014, yep. he's had a, he's, I remember talking about him with Julio Jones and AJ Green. And I mean, the difference here now is the guy won a Super Bowl, something those guys have never done. And on top of that, the guy's getting a thousand yards a season like it's nothing. And he's fine with taking a little bit of a backseat. If you can even call it that, the guy still had he still had a thousand yards and 13 touchdowns this year. But he's willing to take a pay cut because guess what? A Super Bowl means more to him. And you're right. I mean, Bruce Arians saying he's you know one of the best superstars in the league because he's more he cares more about the team than he does about himself. That just shows what kind of guy he is. And why that team was so successful. Um, they, were, they played well as a unit. They played phenomenal as a unit. Tom Brady gets a Super Bowl MVP. Gronk gets two touchdowns. All the guys who were getting touchdowns were guys that Tom Brady brought. He, he brought Antonio Brown. He brought Rob Gronkowski. And guess what? Mike Evans is fine with it because he won a Super Bowl. And I think they're going to be back next year. They might do it again. I mean, Tom Brady at 44 years old, is he going to win a Super Bowl? At that point, why ever retire? But... I don't know. That's just my thoughts. I just wish Gronkowski did that for me all year.
And we are back here on the Tuesday crew. Jake Schmidt, Dylan Allen, Chris Sakonis, and Troy D. Savino. 15 minutes or so left, and it is time for rapid fire. So, Dylan, what do you have for us today? Uh, you know, I saw today uh, and a little bit yesterday after Brady won the Super Bowl, to go back to that a little bit, um, I wanted to get your opinion on this, Troy and Jake, and uh, if Chris joins us soon. Is Tom Brady the GOAT of all sports, or is it just football? Ooh, what a what an interesting question. He's he's the GOAT of winning of all sports, yeah. without a doubt. Without a doubt. There's no question about that. And he's winning a championship that I think is harder to win than any other championship in pro sports. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, yeah, I think I think that's like a no brainer. I don't know if he's the greatest, like skills wise. Listen, the guy's got skills, but like when you compare him to a guy like MJ and LeBron, there's just certain skills that those guys have above everyone else. But there's without a doubt, Tom Brady is the greatest winner of all time. And that takes a lot of skill. Don't get me wrong. Um, it's just tough. I have a hard time comparing his athleticism to to LeBron James just because they're just so different or Michael Jordan just because they're so different. But greatest winner without a doubt. Yeah, Chris, I'm you've right been super you. quiet for like the past hour. Yeah, it's like, Chris, did you doze okay? off there? Is it too late for you? Much. Oh, he's muted. Troy, so bear with me. Um, to, to get back to your point about um, uh, about Tom Brady, I think I would I would agree with you saying he's the greatest winner. Um, I wouldn't say greatest athlete because he's not like he's not like a freak athlete in the way that a LeBron James is, or like even like a JJ Watt is, or he's like he's that's not his style. Yeah. Um, his success is, and it's so important in the quarterback position as much if not more down to his mental processing of the defense and what they're giving him as it is in his physical abilities to throw the football. Um, you notice that unless he's like under pressure, um, he's always able to find the right read. He's always able to, you know, go through his progressions. And that's really what set him apart. Uh, in addition to playing for uh, an organization like the Patriots and now the Buccaneers, um, you know, that's um, that, that, that's really the big, Thing that separates Brady from your run-of-the-mill quarterback. It, it's also helpful when you play the Jets twice a year. That that helps bolster the greatest winner of all time for 20 years. That, that definitely helps. Yeah, and the Bills, too. You know, they, they haven't been good for some time up until, like, the past couple of years. It, and by the way, a lot of people might say, like, Bill Russell, he won 11 championships. Yes, different sport, different level of competition at the time. I think winning a Super Bowl is a lot harder than winning an NBA championship, to be honest, to do it consistently year after year, just because, first of all, it's very hard to keep a team together in the NFL in that way because it's such a bigger roster. Um, it's more of a team sport, so you're relying on a lot of guys to do their job. Basketball, at a certain point, I mean, you think about Michael Jordan, like, it was him. He was winning the championships. Yes, he had some good players alongside him. Scottie Pippen's a great Hall of Famer. But at the end of the day, you take LeBron, you take Michael Jordan off that team, they're not going to win that many championships. So football, it's not the case. You need to have a good supporting cast. You need to have a very good supporting cast. Like, look at what Aaron Rodgers is. He's arguably one of the most talented guys ever. And since he didn't have that consistently, he only had one Super Bowl, and that might be all he ever gets. Um, so Bill Russell, yes, he had 11 championships. It was a different sport. It's a different league. I think it's harder to win a Super Bowl repeatedly year after year, especially for two decades because of the physical beating you take and because of your reliance you have to have on other players. I mean, does that sound about accurate to you guys? 
Yeah, that sounds about accurate. Yeah. Um, it's also just the way the NFL is set up. NBA has a best of seven uh, postseason. So, like, if, uh, like, say you have, like, a one seed and a four seed squaring off in the finals, the four seed might take game one. If, in, a, in a single elimination, if four seed wins one game, they move on. Um, but in the best of seven, it's very rare that the quote-unquote less talented team uh, makes it um, makes it out of a series. So NBA playoff, the way it's set up, is much, much more geared towards, like, you know, guys like LeBron and Kobe and even going back to Bill Russell – uh, being able to dominate, whereas Super Bowl, you have one fluke and you're out. Exactly. It's a, it's, a, it's not a single game sample size um, for for the NBA. It's, you have a lot of opportunities for those things to happen. Um, Dylan, what else you got for us? Um, I was gonna say, uh, since we have Chris back now, I wanted to ask him a Jets question. Um, and you guys also get your opinion. Mel Kuyper, uh, he released his latest mock draft, and he had the Jets taking Devontae Smith at the number two spot. Uh, I just wanted to get horrible your thoughts on that, Chris, idea. and everyone yeah, else. Horrible idea. What the idea is That's on that. Like, that is like, I, I don't even have FCC-compliant words to describe how I feel about that. It, it Look, it's one thing if you say, all right, um, I'm not crazy about Justin Fields, or I think they should trade – down all right i i don't agree with that but i can i can understand it but to take the Devonte smith good as he is is not a number two overall talent he's like in the i i don't see him going in the top five i think if i were like a team in like the 10 to 15 range i'd probably be looking at him um but certainly not at number two if they were to trade down and get him with one of the picks they picked up in that trade then i can understand it but you've got here's the deal you've got statistically one of, if not the worst NFL starting quarterbacks in Sam Darnold, um, you know, it, at this stage, I think replacing him has to be your top priority if you're Joe Douglas. Chris, you and, really... and which quarterback would you go with, Chris, if it was that route? Fields. Fields. Like, I'm not even – I'm sold on him. Yeah, he's going to be the next big thing. All right, all right. Let's everyone relax. Everyone relax. Next big thing, it's very loose. Um Chris, you really changed. You really changed your opinion completely from the start of the season. I know it's been a slow progression, but because I had to watch him play, I guess. But you had to watch that entire team play, and there's a lot of issues with that team. Yeah, but drafting wide receiver. Thing, Troy, here's yeah. the thing with Sam Darnold: it's not a case of like he was finding the open man and he was dropping it, or you know, a guy was open but he got sacked or got pressured, had to throw it away. Like, if you go back and watch the tape on Sam Darnold, there were so many times where he had an open man, but he didn't see him. He didn't go through his progressions right, and he threw it into double or triple coverage. It was incomplete or interception. Um, say what you want about Adam Gase, but um, Adam Gase alone is not the reason why he threw only nine touchdowns and 12 interceptions in 13 games. Um, you know, he's got all the physical tools, but much like Mark Sanchez, I just don't think he has the mental side of the game down. And I don't think the Jets should hedge their future on him suddenly figuring it out. Wow. Cold Would world. you be opposed, Chris, if they took Zach Wilson instead of Justin Fields? I wouldn't hate Wilson. Um, my preference is Fields, but I would have no problem with Wilson. Yeah, Wilson's going to be good in the NFL. Schmid is always agreeing with uh, with my take on. I something. think Wilson. I think Wilson's a very efficient quarterback. I just think that Fields is better because Fields has got his legs and he's got 
Um, he can really move around in the pocket. He seems to be more mobile than Wilson, too, for especially just seeing when they played um, uh, in the uh, college football playoffs, too. Just seeing him the way that they played um, in that semifinal game. He uh, He's very elusive, too. Fields is more athletic, I think. Wilson has the ability to put throw get put together those uh, crazy throws yeah that make it on like sports center top 10 but in terms of like in terms of fundamentals in terms of athleticism in terms of all that i would take fields and fields but, is quicker too he's more he can like evade yeah. defenders i'd take his legs so, yes it sounds like you're saying you'd rather have fields over trevor lawrence is that what you're saying not what i said well lawrence although i will say now. this i will say this about the two i don't think the the gap is as big as a lot of people think I, I put it I put it to people this way. I think they both have a similar ceiling, but Trevor Lawrence has the higher floor. Like if Tre- Trevor Lawrence, if he never developed at all, like if he was as good for his whole NFL career as he is now, he would be a, a top half NFL quarterback. Um, Justin Fields has the ability to be a very good quarterback, if not a great quarterback, but his his floor, if he doesn't develop, if he doesn't pan out, is a lot lower. That's why Lawrence uh, is the consensus number one overall pick. Hmm. Let me That's the way I see it. Let me ask you this, Chris. Um, you already said they don't want it to. You don't want them to take Devonte Smith. So then, would you be no. opposed if they take Sewell instead of a QB, or do you I think it has to be a QB? I think. I mean, I think it would have to be a QB unless, like, they found something in uh, Fields and Wilson that like made them say no, no, no. Like this is gonna be a disaster. Like. Uh, personality issues or something like that um you know then i guess the question the question comes up um the thing with sewell is like the jets offensive line isn't great but like tackle is one of the positions that they're in a better spot in like they've got makai becton who's a franchise left tackle on one end uh noah fan who has been you know not amazing but he's gotten the job done um the real problem with the jets offensive line is the interior so like if they're in a position where they don't want to draft a quarterback for one reason or another, um, I would rather trade down than draft Sewell because um, you could get an extra pick out of it and fill some other holes. But um, I, I don't, I, I don't, I'd be shocked if they don't take a quarterback. Do we think it? Do we think it's a a no brainer that the Eagles get Smith at the wide wide receiver position? I think that's no, fair. They're going to draft some wide receiver in the second round. No one's heard of that can't catch or get open. Yeah, probably someone from like to, Western Kentucky. To, to be honest, I'd be fine with the Cowboys just trading up one pick before the Eagles just to steal Smith from them. <laughs> like, I know we have no need, but I just think I feel so good about myself at the point in time that it happened. And I, I think we should do it. I think we should have uh, Cooper, Lamb, and Devontae Smith all on the same team. Just, just, just spite the Eagles and say we did it to you twice. You can keep Detroit. Dallas Goddard. You stole him for him. Is there once. any traction on where Carson Wentz is going? Do you have you guys heard anything about that? Bears. I think, I the, think Bears the Bears, Bears are the top two spots. They're just gonna wow. get rid of, is Mitch gonna go anywhere or are they just gonna get rid of him? I think, I think Mitch is a free agent after this year. They didn't pick up his option. I don't think anybody would want Mitch. So, Jets yeah, want my Mitch. brother's they're gonna make my him brother's a Brother's an Eagles fan, my brother. He's been telling me that the rumors are uh, Nick Foles will find his way back in a Philadelphia Eagles uniform in this trade. Huh. Um, yeah, oh I don't gosh. know. And it's crazy, Figures. too, because you, you would think with how bad Wentz's contract is, the Bears would want some kind of draft comp- compensation, but they're really they're just giving up Nick Foles. Um, and I think one or two first-rounders for Carson Wentz, I think that's what's rumored to be um, there. And I think the Bears are just terrible trade there it's a lot of money they gave Wentz too 
yeah. Nick Foles comes back to the Eagles for the third time. That is just yeah, it would be absolutely the crazy. Oh my God. And he goes on to win. It's like living Super in the thing. past, though. He wins the second. Like he hasn't Super done Bowl. anything since he left. But I mean, to be fair, Chris, he didn't do anything before he came back to the Eagles. Really, the second time either. <laughs> he kind of just he only like, does fades in into the background unless he's in Philadelphia, and then when he's in Philadelphia, he just. For uh, could you imagine like the face of your only Super Bowl? You just like let the guy walk. Like, I just, I have a hard time imagining that. That really did not age well. I know, like, Nick Foles, you don't want him to be your starting quarterback either. But, like, look, you're trading Carson Wentz now, too. So, yeah. The Eagles, Philadelphia just can't do anything right. Let's just be honest. They can't do anything right. Nope. They, they let Nick Foles walk. They keep Carson Wentz after Nick Foles wins him a Super Bowl. And then Carson Wentz stinks. And then now they don't have Nick Foles. And then it's just, I that, that city is just so bad at everything. They really are. Yeah, they and, are. Uh, Do you think Jalen Hurts is going to be the starter? Or do you think he's going to get some traction? You don't think he's going to be the starter, Chris? I don't know. I think they're going to try. I think he might be there as like a stopgap. I don't think he'll be yeah. a long-term starter. Like, yeah, I don't no, think they're going to. I don't think they're going to say Jalen Hurts is our franchise quarterback. Right. Uh, because I wow. think his role, like. I don't know. I'm not sold on him as a starting quarterback in the NFL. He, I think he hasn't really he could developed have a role. in my eyes. I think I think he has a role as like a Taysom Hill style kind of guy. Yeah. Whoa. Um, I could see that. Whoa. You, you, you see that? Like I could because he's he, I think he's he played receiver and like a little bit too at college. I'm like, talking he, like style wise. He has that like he has that ability. He's got quick legs and good hands. Yes, style wise, but I could but I not long term being. I could see him being a starting mobile quarterback, to be honest. Like, I think the guy's good enough. He, he, he was very good in college. I mean, was very, he played I mean, a lot of guys are very awful, good in college. The only yeah, thing we I saw from him this year was Donald decent was play. Like, he played decently this year on an awful team. And a lot of injuries, like, too. I, I, I think he was capable of being a starting quarterback. I think there's a lot of guys in the NFL who are starting. Like, who would you rather have, Drew Locke or Jalen Hurts right now? No, I would take Jalen Hurts. Jalen all the uh, way. Yeah, but there's really not – I mean, Drew Locke is going to be the starting quarterback next year probably for the Broncos. So, like, there's plenty of guys in the NFL that I think Jalen Hurts could be starting over. I, I don't. I wouldn't write him off as a backup quarterback yet. I just I, don't see them he, putting their franchise in his hands, I guess. Yeah, just my, giving him the keys to the car. How dumb like, I think, I think he could start next – I think he could second. start next year and then um, they try to, like, find someone. If – I don't understand why would you draft the guy in the second round then? Like if you yeah. don't think he's capable of being well, that a never franchise quarterback. That never I know, but I, I have a hard time believing they that office has to think he's their guy. They have to. They have to. Or else they would have tried especially to get in on a trade. Once, Maybe right? with, yeah. Especially if you're trading once. And the fact that they didn't try to get into on anything with like Stafford or anything like that, I think they think Jalen Hurts is their guy. Hmm. Um and I don't blame him. I think he's decent. I I thought he was going to be a good quarterback and i was really bummed that the one team he went to is the team i could not possibly root for him there because i thought he's a capable guy in the nfl and i think he's got some skill and enough skill to be a, a decent starting quarterback if not a very good starting quarterback if you put him in the right scheme um but we'll have to see we'll have to see how the jets can screw up the draft i'm sure they'll do something wrong um and chris i appreciate you making your way back into the end of this one um, but this was the wrsu crew only here on wrsu fm new brunswick